What does it mean to win someone over to Jesus Christ? Well, because our daughter is in the hospital right now, here's a talk that we recorded last year on that topic. So listen in. Welcome to a word from our outpost with Joseph and Crystal Gruber, a podcast for Catholic disciples who are wrestling to be missionary minded in their normal everyday lives. <laughs> Good evening. I'm so happy to be here with you tonight, and I hope you're happy to be here too. Uh, Let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you so much for having created us here and now for this moment and for every moment that follows, that you've prepared our hearts to follow after our Lord and Savior, whom you gave to us, that we might be made new. Bless this talk tonight. May I say things that are true and good and even beautiful. Um, And may the true and good and beautiful things uh, that I do manage to say remain in people's hearts. And if I say anything that is not true or good or beautiful, Lord, I ask that everybody forgets about it as fast as possible. (laughs) Mother Mary, I commend this parish, this talk, this whole apostolate of reaching the town of Jackson to your tender care, and to your intercession. As I pray with all of you, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Some people are still coming in. That's fine. There is plenty in the way of snack foods. If you gave up snacks for Lent like I did, you're out of luck. Um, If not, please do take a moment. Uh, Feel free to get up and get things anytime. So Bishop Boyer uh, uh, talks quite a bit about uh, these two movements in the Christian life to grow as a disciple of Jesus and then to go and evangelize. Um, I'm, a, I'm a missionary with FOCUS. FOCUS is the fellowship of Catholic university students. You may say, hey, Joseph, this is not a university setting. And I will say you are right. Right. Um, and in FOCUS, uh, we, we talk about uh, three basic movements, but they line up with uh, what Bishop Boyer is saying. And so I hope he'll pardon me, uh, but I'm going to use the three movements that we talk about in focus. Um, and just so you see, we talk about winning. Uh, so if you are an intentional disciple, and if I am an intentional disciple, if I have been evangelized, I can, cannot help but go and evangelize others. Um, and then we talk about building. Those who I have evangelized, those who have accepted the gospel, who have made a commitment a covenant with our Lord, uh, are then built up in their faith. And then I, as I accompany them, will then equip them to the point where they are also sent out to win and build others. Um, So three steps instead of two, which is great. I much prefer a waltz to a two-step. So here we are. Uh, In focus, we talk about winning, uh, not just in terms of uh, I scored more points than the other guy. Uh, The way we define win is to build authentic friendships that foster an encounter with Jesus Christ, which draws people into a covenantal relationship with God. Um, I could literally spend the next few hours unpacking this definition. Instead, I'm just going to move on and see what's on the rest of this presentation. Um, We'll start with scripture. Uh, this is at the end of Matthew's Gospel, the last uh, three verses. Um, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Have you guys heard this one before? Yeah, this comes up a little bit. Um, it's, it's pretty critical, right? It, as far as um, what goes into the DNA of the church, uh, this is pretty critical. This is the last thing that Matthew, Matthew records Jesus saying. Um, it's also uh, 
one of the few commands that Jesus makes very, very, very explicit. Uh, this one has all the weight of the authority that is behind heaven and earth, which last time I checked was all the authority that there is uh, behind it. Um, and, and the command is pretty simple, to go and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what we would talk about in terms of winning, um, to call people to be disciples of Jesus. Um, the line, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, that would be equivalent to building. And then, I am with you always to the close of the age. He is with us, which means he's continuing to send us. Um, because Jesus always and ever is going to the margins. He's always and ever going to the lost. He's seeking uh, that which has not yet been found. And so if he's with us and we're with him, we're going to keep going to the margins. Um, so that's sort of context for uh, the evangelical impulse of the Catholic Church. Okay, so tonight you might be wondering what you're going to get out of this talk. That's great. I have an acronym for you. ASPAT. Has anyone ever heard this acronym before? No? It's a funny one. Um, so you may be saying, what's an ASPAT? Great. That's an ASPAT. Uh, it's a picture of a donkey with wings. An ASPAT. I'm sure that's what everybody was thinking when I said the word ASPAT. Good. Wonderful. ASPAT is an acronym. Uh, it stands for All Students Should Be Able To. All Students Should Be Able To. Uh, so all students, by the end of this uh, night, should be able to do the following things. Uh, create a manageable list of people God is calling them to evangelize. Um, I think that's a good thing to leave with. I hope so. I'm going to ask you to do that. So that's one thing that everybody should be able to do by the time the evening is done. Um, Everyone here should be able to explain the meaning of incarnational evangelization. Um, if you don't know what those two words mean, perfect. That's what tonight is for. And then the third thing to walk away with, everyone should be able to identify another Catholic who desires to win souls for Christ and to reach out to them. Um, so by the end of tonight, these three things should be accomplished. Hopefully you see these as a, as a worthwhile use of your time. Uh, if you think that none of these are worth your time, uh, this is an awesome time to either tune out or walk out um, or take a nap. Um, but if you think that e any of these are worthwhile, then please stick around. Hi, wife. Did you want to come on up? Is that all right? Yeah. So this is my wife. Hello. We'll see how long I last, but we're entertaining when we're together. We are. And you thought I was entertaining so far. So this is my wife, Crystal. She is also um, has been a missionary with Focus. She left staff to become my wife. And then we moved here some years later where I'm forcing her to become essentially staff again. No forcing. Not forcing. I'm really jazzed. She's actually really excited. That was a, a misnomer on my part. Okay. You want to take over from here? Sure. Okay. So... Um, you had an activity to do for the Grow and Go initiative in the pews, I believe, or at some point in time to ask the question, who will you try to reach out to? Who will you try to invite to mass? So first, I just want you to think in your own head, who was that person? D does everyone remember that? Oh, okay, great. Awesome. So now I want you to spend a little bit of time thinking about why, and then maybe in, we're going to give you about a minute or two to share in your table. You don't necessarily have to share who the person is, but we'd like you to share with each other why you wrote that person down as somebody you'd like to make an invitation to or to reach for Jesus. Makes sense. Great. Go. This is where the part where, this is the part where you talk to each other. Okay. All right. Hopefully everybody got to, ch to share a little bit of their why. Uh, okay. We're going to go back to the presentation now. I hope hopefully you guys can continue these conversations. That's awesome that you had a lot to talk about. That's so cool. Um, it means you actually thought before you wrote down a name. I don't always think before I do things. So that's awesome that you guys have reasons. Um, okay, I'm going to tell a story. Uh, I don't know if it's a true story, so we're going to treat it like a parable, and I'm going to make the details even more vague than the time that I heard it told by somebody else. So sometime this past century, 
uh, an American aviator was shot down somewhere in Asia. And this American aviator was captured uh, at, the, at the time America was in a war in Asia, and he was thrown into a prison camp. There's our American aviator thrown into a prison camp. And he was tossed into this hut, and there was uh, another man there. And the guards, his captors, apologized to him. They said, we're so sorry, we don't have enough room for you in the regular prison camp. We're going to have to imprison you with this traitor from our own ranks. But don't worry, he'll be dead soon. Um, so this American aviator was tossed into this hut, and there was this man who had been badly beaten and malnourished. And so immediately the American aviator uh, started ripping his uniform and making bandages and binding the man's wounds. And then uh, they didn't actually know very much of each other's language. He knew a little bit of the traitor's, and the traitor knew a little bit of the aviator's language, but they didn't have very much in common. Uh, the next day, the traitor got uh, pulled out so he could be beaten in front of all the soldiers so that uh, everybody would know, do not be a traitor. And then when he was brought back that night, the American aviator had saved some of his food, actually a fair bit of his food, for the traitor and bound his wounds again. Um, and then the next day, the man was the traitor was taken out and beaten again. And that night, the aviator bound his wounds again and, and tended to him and fed him. This one went on for several days, right? And it approached a week. And on the seventh day, um, the aviator realized this was actually a losing battle. You know, no matter what he poured into this man, this man was going to die and die soon. But at this point, they had a little bit more of a grasp of each other's language. And so the aviator told him, look, I, I don't think you're going to be with me much longer. And there's somebody that I really want you to know. I want to introduce you to Jesus and the trader looked up at the aviator, and the trader said, as best and as clearly as he could, um, if he's anything like you, if Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. So that's the story. Um, I'd, I'd like you to take some time um, at your tables to, to think about a couple of questions from it. Do you want to introduce the question? Sure. So the first question is, what is the aviator's mission field? Um, so, and then the next question, how much choice did the aviator have in his mission field? What had to change in the aviator's life to fulfill his mission? And how do you think the aviator defined success in his mission? So now we'll give you a couple of minutes to talk that through um, with your tables again. Great. All right. All right. Great. Oh, you can so, do the exercise too. Another exercise. <laughs> so we want you to on so you can use your note paper for this and on a, the left side of your paper, write down names or titles, if you don't know particular names or if you want to kind of group together, of everyone you interact with in a typical day. So So I'm gonna give you a, about a minute to do that right now. And it doesn't have to be a totally comprehensive list, but and once you've got that down, if you could work on writing down everyone you interact with in a typical week, add that to the mix. Maybe you see somebody different on the weekends than you do during the week. It helps to think of a tip of an actual day, like thinking through who did I see on Wednesday this past week? Who did I see on Tuesday this past week? Oh, yeah, it's not me. That's right. Todd's Bible study. Okay, so just for fun, does anybody have more than 10 names written down? Got one. Couple. Two. Some people are still kind of writing. Does anybody have 15 or more names? Got a if couple more. If anybody is involved in teaching, they probably see quite a few people. Yeah, that's right. Okay, 30 or more names? <laughs> okay. Do people have like more than 50 in a week? Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. That was just more for fun. So, um... Another way to think through it. Think through it. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I probably should have done this. So things, other things to jog your memory and keep the list going. And this is a list we want. This is part of what we're going to have you kind of take to pray with. Where do you work? Where do you reside? Where do you live? Where do you study? Um, where do you spend your leisure time? Right? Okay. So, I 
A question for you. Is the person that you wrote down that we mentioned earlier on your grow and go, the grow and go person that you wrote down that you would like to reach out to, are they on the list of people that you see daily or weekly? So just some food for thought. Either way, it's okay. We're going to be working on that list a little bit more later. Great. Do you want me to do that? I'll do the next bit. Okay. All right. Uh, right next to the names that you've been writing down, I want you to think pretty hard on this one. Write down the name of the person who all of these people have in common. Who is the one person that all of these people have in common? The common denominator between the whole list of the 5, 10, 15, 30. I'll give you a hint. Take a look in the mirror. <laughs> Take a look in the mirror. Uh, what, yeah, what, what we're getting at is the person who uh, every one of these people has in common is you, right? Um, so what we just did is we made a list, uh, and if you actually wrote down your name, can you commit to praying for everyone on this list, um, especially the person in the second column? Um, I taught intercessory prayer to a group of students back at MIT when I was a missionary there, and the MIT students were wonderful, passionate, humble, uh, and yes, intelligent. And one of the one of the guys said, "Well, I I have a whole list of everybody that I pray for, and I always write down two names every time I meet somebody new. I write down their name. It's like that makes sense. And then I write my name. It's like why do you do that? He said, because I need to be praying for myself just as much as I need to be praying for them, so I can be the man that I'm called to be in that relationship with them. He's like, oh wow." Oh, wow. Good job, Eric. Well done. His name was Eric. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, a reminder of the ASPAT. All students should be able to. That's what it looks like. Create a manageable list of people God is calling them to evangelize. Question. Um, how many of you think that the people that you wrote down, that God desires you to have a relationship with those people? Yeah? Oh, okay. Great. Um, so... As far as the bare bones of the people to reach, um, to treat these people uh, the way the aviator saw the traitor, um, if I don't evangelize this person, if I don't love this person authentically, I can't actually do anything else, right? I, I, don't have to, I don't have to be successful in the eyes of the world in the way that I love them. I don't necessarily need to see that they change, I need to change, and if I'm not changing in order to love them, then I have no moral authority to reach anyone else. Um, so this is, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of the time in my life, I've been crippled, evangelically speaking, because I don't first start with the people who are right next to me. I can go a whole day and ignore somebody who's right next to me and then think that I can reach other people, and I can't. If I don't actually love the people next to me, uh, then I, I can't love other people authentically. Uh, that doesn't mean they have to be receptive to my love, but I do have to love. Speaking of loving neighbors, we'll sneak out the All right. Great. All right. Um, the next thing that we're going to go on to do, explain the meaning of incarnational. Does everyone, uh, can I get a show of hands if you think that you came up with at least the beginnings of a manageable list of people that God is calling you to evangelize? Did we, did we hit that one? Yes, but Perfect. 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 That's wonderful. Um, you need to grow the list, um, perhaps, yeah. And then there's always the other half. And I'm sure the people on the first half probably wouldn't, they would love it if you grew in loving of them, just as you would probably love it if they grew in loving of you. Um, yeah, so th I, this is supposed to be manageable. This is not to say, hey, you guys aren't doing this. This is to say, uh, you probably are actually doing this and doing it fairly well. This is the beginnings of evangelization. Um, and so it's supposed to be a little bit of a pick-me-up. Like, oh, I have a list of people to love, and I actually know them all. Um, it's supposed to be a thumbs-up kind of moment. Great. Um, next time I give this talk, I'll make that more explicit from the get-go. Um, this was a feel-good moment brought to you by Focus. Okay, and then at the end we'll identify another Catholic. So we're going to talk about incarnational evangelization. It's a mouthful, uh, so it might be worth everybody saying it out loud. 
Incarnational evangelization. Beautiful. What a chorus of beauty. Um, so let's break it down. I love words. Words are my favorite. Um, I love words maybe too much. My favorite website is the online etymology dictionary. The online etymology dictionary that gives you the history of any word that you type into the search bar. I looked up the word chore today. Uh, I won't tell you the etymology. It's, it's not, well, it's, it's from a word meaning turning. It's not important, though. Um, so the etymology of evangelization, the EV beginning. Uh, anyone know what that means? Uh, so EV or EU um, means good. Um, angelion, this is where we get the word angel from. Um, message or news, right? Yeah, so angels are God's messengers. Um, in, believe it or not, means in. Um, and then the, the carnes part of incarnational, uh, it's refer yeah, referring to your flesh. So when we're talking about incarnational evangelization, we're talking about the good news in my flesh, my body relating good news to the world. Your body, your flesh, your life relating good news to the world. Um, we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna go through this a little bit quickly. It's not incredibly important. I thought it was brilliant, but then I realized it's not that important. Um, so Christ conferred on the apostles and their successors the duty of teaching, sanctifying, and ruling in his name and power. But the laity likewise share in the priestly, prophetic, and royal office of Christ. So we are all actually, through our baptism, priest, prophet, and king. Have you guys heard that before? Priest, prophet, king? Um, and so we're going to talk about incarnational evangelization through these three lenses a little bit. We're going to focus a lot on the priestly, uh, a little bit on the prophetic, and a lot on the kingly. Um, the, these are three powers that you have been given by virtue of you being little Christ's Christians, um, and there are three ways we're going to understand incarnational evangelization. So we're going to start with the priestly. Um, to start with that, imagine a well, imagine a basket of unleavened bread. Now you don't have to imagine it because now there's a picture of it on the PowerPoint. Um, a basket of unleavened bread. There's probably nothing as boring as bread, right? It's it's plain. It's mundane. Uh, people eat bread all the time and they don't even think about it. It makes up. Uh, a sizable portion of what a sandwich is. Um, it, it's not very important. But what if I told you that there was some crazy priest out there? Um, for those who can't see, this is Father Chaz, a picture of Father Chaz. Uh, yes. Uh, he is smiling. And there was this crazy priest, and you knew that this crazy priest made it his mission to go around and to consecrate all of the unleavened bread that he could find. And that if you weren't careful, he was going to come in. And not only was this priest crazy, he's also extraordinarily holy. And when he confects the Eucharist, they end up being Eucharistic miracles, right? Um, imagine if you knew that at any moment he might run by and say the words of consecration over the unleavened bread and then run out. That Jesus could become present in a basket of what was bread at any minute. You could blink and he might have run by. It takes a little bit longer than that, but for the purposes of it's hyperbole, an it's an imperfect analogy. Uh, a moment away, this unleavened bread could become Jesus. Um, this is actually the reality of every single human being you have ever met. Every single human being that you have ever met, in a moment's notice, could, through their own cooperation with the grace that God is extending to them, they could be transformed into little Christ, right? Every single person sitting next to you, take a moment to look to your left, to your right. Um, the people that you're sitting next to, um, through a single act of will to cooperate, to surrender their lives to Christ, could be made more perfectly into the image of Jesus at any moment. We just don't know when somebody around us is going to choose to live in the grace that's being offered to them. Um, so what is the good news? This is the first paragraph from the catechism. This is, if you open up the catechism to page one, 
This is what the Catechism says. God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son as Redeemer and Savior. In his Son and through him, he invites men to become, in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children, and thus, heirs of his blessed life. A moment to emphasize, for this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. We don't have a crazy holy priest running around trying to turn unleavened bread into Eucharistic miracles. We have the Holy Spirit active at every moment, in every place, in every heart, trying to turn each and every one of us into little Christs. And as Joseph mentioned, this is where our priestly role comes in. We have the opportunity to be a conduit of the Lord's grace to help that change occur in another person from time to time. This is the good news, right? The the good news is not uh, we're all sinners and maybe we can get better. You know, the the good news is not... um, hey, I got some uncomfortable things to talk to you about in terms of sexual morality. Uh, The good news is not, um, sorry guys, you have to show up at Mass every Sunday. Uh, The good news is that God is active in the world and that everyone that we are near could become more glorious than a Eucharistic miracle, could become holy in a way that we've never yet seen before because the way in which they will become holy has never been seen before. Their particular participation in the life of Christ is their own. Nobody else has ever been asked to be like Christ in the way that they are being asked, just like nobody has ever been like Christ in the way that we are being asked to be like Christ. Um, we, we are sitting beside potential glories that would burst our hearts asunder if they became fully realized here and now. And they could become realized here and now. Um, and, and like the Eucharist, uh, we can't always see that transformation, but it happens. And one moment we're in front of bread and another moment we're in front of Jesus. This is what the good news is. This is what is propelling us outward. This is what we have to keep in mind at all times when we're talking about incarnational evangelization. What is the good news that we want to relate to somebody? So often I walk into a room and the, the good news that I, re- the, the news that I relate is, uh, I'm busy. You're not important. You're sort of in my way. You're a distraction. You're a frustration. Uh, I can use you to get to my end. You're pleasant to be around, so I'll stick with you because you make me feel good. That, that, that oftentimes is the news that I convey through my life and through my actions, right? That's what I'm incarnating. I'm incarnate, incarnating the news that essentially I'm a jerk and I don't know how to treat people with love. Um, but if I'm actually trying to incarnate good news, everything changes. Um, I have hope, I have joy, and I want to be with other people. Um, for this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. In his Son and through him, he invites men to become, in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children and thus heirs of his blessed life. Um, a few years back, I was a missionary, like I said, at MIT, and I led a Bible study with a bunch of graduate student men, and we were talking about the transfiguration, and we were talking about this question, like, why why does Jesus need to hear again that he is the beloved son of God the Father? He already heard that back at the baptism. I don't really like repetition myself, and most of the, stu- the, the guys there didn't either. And then, and then I, I thought to ask the question, what if, what if we were reminded more often that we are called to be sons of God, and so we are? What if we were reminded that we are actually beloved by God? And the room got quiet, and one of the men, Colton, he said, I think I think if I remembered that I was a son of God, everything would change. So we spent the rest of that year from across the campus. If we saw any of the men from that Bible study, we would shout out to them, you're a beloved son of God. And you- can I just tap in here? This was amazing. You would, I'd be walking with Joseph and I, I wouldn't even see anybody, but I would hear, you are, 
unrepeatable mystery. And Joseph would say, you are a beloved son of God. And they're just shouting all all over, all the time. Text messages, all the time. One morning, we were out with our team. We were teammates at the time. And his phone started making a lot of noise. And he didn't really get a lot of text messages at the time. I'm not very popular. And (laughs) it's really like, who's sending you all these messages? Well, it turned out that three or four of these guys were together, and they were all sending Joseph text messages at the same time, reminding him of his identity, of his beloved son, of the Heavenly Father, and that he was made for glories for all of eternity and things of this nature. It was amazing. It was an awesome year. Anyway, so that's one way to convey news, right, with our words. And it's, it's so important. It's so incredibly important to let people know that they're called to something more, to something greater, that they, they're capable of something more. Not a, they, they are actually capable of becoming like God. There's a Latin phrase. I think it's like, Father Brian, call me out if I get this wrong. Capox Dei, they have the capacity for God, right? They can be filled by God. We are actually vessels created so that God might reside in us, that his glory might shine forth through us. Um, so our words can convey that. Um, there, there's a song, they, they will know we are Christians by our love. Uh, it might also be scriptural. I didn't actually take the time to look. Uh, it's probably scriptural. Uh, they will know we are Christians by our love. Awesome sentiment. I find it a little bit vague. Um, so I went to my friend G.K. Chesterton, and I asked him, uh, and he said, well, they should know we are Christians. And he said, uh, they should know we are Christians by the way we climb a tree. Is <laughs> that your cue to me to do the next one? <laughs> uh, well, maybe take a minute and talk with somebody next to you. What do you think that means? So, if you can hear me clap once, if you can hear me clap ten times, oh wow, good job. If you can hear me clap three times, great. Uh, Anybody want to share what they think that means? They should know we are Christian, by the way, yes. Yeah, it was. And Jesus could see that Zacchaeus actually wanted to follow him. He wasn't just climbing for no reason. Um, I don't know if Chesterton had Zacchaeus in mind, but I do think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Yep, you're right. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. In everything that we do, it should show. Um, any Anyone want to be, anyone have anything else to add to that? So the tree of the cross, that we have some understanding of the suffering that we're supposed to climb up. Um, fortunately, Chesterton is a very joyful fellow. Um, so he, I don't know if he necessarily was thinking of the sorrows and sufferings of the cross. Uh, I think he was just talking about climbing a tree. We did this at MIT, actually. I told everybody this quote years ago. And so we went and climbed trees for a day. And uh, once we got to the top, we didn't know what to do. So I, I pulled out some ancient Greek literature, and she pulled out what? What did you end up pulling out? Quite some. I think you took out some things to draw with, and uh, no, probably our teammate John took out things to draw with. Yeah. And um, anyway, uh, it was hilarious fun. I recommend it um, if there are any good trees to climb. Obviously, it's not the it's not the time of year to climb trees. Don't do it now. They're probably weakened. Um, running out of time. <laughs> okay, so for just to do this, well, thinking about your the list that you made, they who is they the people that you're encountering in your life every day should know we are Christians by the way we climb a tree. But what are you doing with those people? So what is the the grocery Checkout attendant should know I am Christian by how I check out my groceries. Wow. Okay. So thinking through, who is it that I'm encountering and how is it that they should know that I am a Christian? Yeah. Pull out a random person from your list. Put them in the blank. Blank should know we are Christians by. Mm-hmm. by but what is the action that you do with that person? Yeah. Right? Like they're on your list right now because you interact with them. So there has to be something about how you interact with them. Um, how would they know that you're a Christian by that interaction? 
So we won't give you time to work on that right now because otherwise we won't finish our talk. But we would challenge you to take that home as something to, to work on or to the holy hour after this. And then, yeah. So lots of people maybe could finish this one. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. So one of the things that I always get excited about this is if you're not saying the words of the good news, shut your mouth. And maybe being a little bit um, over the top there with that, but but I think oftentimes we, we use this as an excuse to say, oh, I'm being a good person, and so that's enough. That's not enough. Being able to use words is part of the things that's important, um, but also not using words for things that aren't helping you towards the end of sharing the good news. That doesn't mean that you need to like say the name of Jesus in every other sentence that you use just sort of flippantly. Um, but being really thoughtful about what you, words you're using and why and what they're Yeah. Are you talking to bread or are you talking to potential Eucharistic miracles, right? Um, so one of the lines we usually talk about with incarnational evangelization is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. This is a great one to remember. Uh, to to meditate on. This whole chapter is really incredible. Um, but this line is, so being affectionately desirous of you, the people of Thessalonica, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Which So it, it's a little bit amazing. So he said, we, we shared the gospel with you, but we weren't actually satisfied with just sharing the good news with you. We wanted to share our very selves. Before this line, he talks a little bit like he was like a mother to them. And after this line, he talks a little bit like he was a father to them. Um, he, he wanted to be familiarly intimate with them. He wanted to be familiar with them. And he thought the gospel, just as uh, words, is not enough. It has to be lived out through the entirety of my life. I want to share my life with you, the people of Thessalonica. And, and so this is something to inv invite us to say, like, if we look back, at our life, living here in Jackson, would we be able to say with the same sincerity that Paul said, so being affectionately desirous of you, the people of Jackson, we were ready to share with you, the people of Jackson, not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you, the people of Jackson, had become very dear to us, right? Would we be able to say that with the same authenticity that St. Paul says everything that he says? Um, so the, the, the sanctifying of our daily relationships is a living out of our priestly role as Christians. This is incarnational evangelization by, by truly offering our relationships to God. Um, so more active incarnational evangelization, living out our royal role, our kingly role. Uh, let's talk about that. this. You might have this question, what about the other people God has put on my heart, Right. Um, what about the other people in my parish, in my workplace, in the neighborhood? Um, that's a really great question. Th those are great questions, right? We talked a lot about the people that we've, we interact with already, but we know that we're also called to go out. Um, so what we've been doing with that first list is a little bit more like accounting. Accounting, we look back and see what we've been doing. Now, we also want to do some budgeting, how to spend our time going into the future, Right. Um, these have been incidental relationships. Uh, we want to make sure that we also have invitational relationships, relationships where we put ourselves out there. Um, and a reminder, we have the authority to act, right? God has given us authority to act. All, all authority in heaven and on earth is behind our authority to act, to love new people. Um, and how will we do that? Through living our lives well, um, first and foremost. Uh, I know... My wife and I, we sometimes get into this rut of thinking, well, we have so many things we have to take care of, so many inconveniences. How can we invite people to share our lives? You know, our house is messy. Our kids are uh, not always charming and perfect, though they seem it in public. Um, you know, our relationship isn't always the best, though it's pretty good. Um <laughs> And we're like, well, our lives are filled with inconveniences. How could we possibly share this mess with other people? And again, to go to G.K. Chesterton for wisdom, which is what I do most often, uh, maybe too often, he says, 
What was that? We named our third child after him. We named our third child Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert Keith Chesterton. Uh, so Gilbert Gordon Gruber. He says, an adventure is only an inconvenience rightly considered. An inconvenience is only an adventure wrongly considered. Um, so he says the same thing twice, basically. So when, when we start saying our lives are just too inconvenient to invite other people into them, uh, we actually have to, to say, no, I can choose to call this an adventure. Um, I can choose that this this is a moment where my life is actually exciting. There's drama. And who doesn't love the front row seat to drama? So invite people to the front row seat of the drama of your life. Um, what was that? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to skip these questions because uh, we're running very low on time. In fact, almost out. Uh, how do I meet new people? You might have this question. Meeting people is hard. Does anybody agree with me? Meeting people is hard. Oh, good. I got a few nods and a few hands. I don't feel alone. Can I share this one? Okay, yeah. Okay, so Joseph has unintentionally been hiding this from me apparently for a decade. Um, this blew my mind like two days ago. So an acronym to help you remember how to meet new people. INVITE, which is a handy acronym for such a thing. So I, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Crystal. Nice to meet you, Mary. Isn't that really nice? Not too hard. I can do that. Mary and I are both still alive. Everything is good. So what's next? Well, what's your name? Mary took care of that for me. So something that I don't know if Mary knows this or not, but Mary might be experiencing it right now. When you hear your own name, it is like fireworks go off in your brain. Our own name is our favorite word. It literally, people have done brain imaging, and literally, like, the neurons are, like, going crazy when you hear your own name. So remembering somebody's name and using it repetitively when you first meet them will help you to remember their name. So if I were to say thank you again, Mary, for that, it helps me to remember Mary's name. Um, But also, it helps them like you because their brain is going happy. (laughs) Um, the next thing, value them as a perfect, as a person. <laughs> so remembering that image of this could be, Christ, this person can be Christ to you in a very profound way and remembering that value that they have in your interaction with them. The I for interests. What are their interests? Again, people like talking about themselves and about things that they like. So if you can find out what somebody's interests are, Again, you're going to be more likely to remember them. And also, they're going to be engaged in that conversation and start to relax as well. Tribe. Where do people come from? Finding out, and I don't know Jackson well enough to know if there seems to be a little like, are you if in the city or are you in the country or things like that? That might be part of it. I gave a talk introducing this acronym in Ireland a few years ago. And apparently in Ireland, everybody wants to know where you're from because it, it says so much about them, and they really want to know about your family, because it says so much about them, because there's so much history in the places and in the families. And so I said, one of the things you can ask them about was their tribe. Everybody was like, yes, this is what we love talking about. Who cares about the interests? We're going to talk about, are they from County Cork? Are they yeah. from Derry? And um, yeah, they were excited. And then this is my favorite part, secret confession of, meeting new people is the end. So you don't have to talk to a new person forever. So to have an end in mind and a way to wrap up a conversation, and in fact, when you're talking to a new person, sometimes it's just easier on everyone involved if it's a relatively brief conversation the first time around. So to have an end in mind, maybe you realize you have similar interests. So you decide, oh, let's go do that activity together. or Let's go check out that coffee shop together. Or maybe you just want to get their phone number so that you can reach out some other time. But to to end the conversation and to wrap things up with something, um, depending on the nature of the rest of the conversation, and then you can move on and either go hide in a corner if you're an introvert or go meet another person if you like doing things like that. Yeah. And something to say about this whole acronym, um, this is not a technique this is not here. This is a behavior that I, if I adopt this, I'm going to start evangelizing. Uh, that, no, it doesn't work. Uh, this is something, these are things to be mindful of so that we can truly love people. If love is not our aim, then this acronym is for manipulation. 
right? If love is our aim, then this is just a memory jogger, which is kind of nice to have. Um, but when love is our motivation, these are this is actually a description of what people who love other people do. And it it's also can be a kind of um, uh, a reflection point, like, why don't I ask people about their interests? And there's probably a few people in the room that are like, the why are we spending time on this? But there's also probably a lot of other people in the room being like, oh, somebody probably taught me this in kindergarten and I forgot. Because I never needed it after that. I've myself ever since then. So sorry for those of you that think this is a little silly, but I needed it. So Great. Um, you might be asking, what about the old relationships that I have? So that was new relationships, how to start those. What about the people that I've known for 20, 30, 50, 70 years? Um, how do I really have renewed relationships with them? Um, great question. We'll get back to this later. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. Quick story. Uh, so we talked, so in our priestly role, we have to sanctify our day-to-day -day life. In our kingly role, we have to make decisions. We have to reach out. We have to, dare I say it, call people, knock on people's doors, walk up to people. Uh, we have the authority to act. We've been given the authority to act. Um, the prophetic role, uh, I'm going to tell a story to illustrate this. I won't go very much more into this. Um, so this takes place. A man is on his way to Starbucks. And um, as he's going, he's, he's saying a little prayer to our Lord. And our Lord says, hey, stop for a minute. I, I want you to do a cartwheel for me. And the man is dressed in his suit. He's like, God, that's kind of silly. I don't, I don't know if I want to do a cartwheel right now. Um, he's like, no, please, just, uh, just do a cartwheel um, before you get into the Starbucks. And so the guy's walking, walking, walking. And he's like, well, nobody, I, it wouldn't hurt anybody if I did it, right? Um, and I know how to do a cartwheel. It's actually well within my wheelhouse. I'm very gymnastically inclined. It's not immoral. It's not immoral to do a cartwheel. Uh, so he does a cartwheel. And then he walks into the Starbucks as if nothing happened. And he walks up to the counter, and the person at the counter starts crying. And the person at the counter said, I'm an atheist. I just, I just threw up a prayer just now. It's like, God, if you exist, if you're real, if you exist, make somebody do a cartwheel. <laughs> right? Uh, we're talking about incarnational evangelization, the good news enfleshed in us. And a lot of the prophets uh, were asked to do some crazy things. There's a story that I don't know very well and don't understand at all where Jeremiah had to bury his underwear for like a year and then wear it in public. Um, there's, a, there's a more famous story about Hosea. Hosea was this prophet, um, and God said, hey, I want you to feel what my heart feels uh, every time Israel goes and worships idols. I want you to marry a prostitute. And so Hosea was like, well... It's not immoral for me to marry a prostitute. It is immoral for the prostitute to be a prostitute. So he marries a prostitute because he needed to be an image of God's message to God's people. Um, and so there will be times if we are open to the workings of the Holy Spirit where he's going to ask us to do things that are not always normal and almost never comfortable. Um, but if we are praying, then it is actually a good idea to give expression to our impressions. Um, we actually have the prophetic role in which to do this. So I won't go into that too much. If we're not praying daily, if we're not loving the people around us, we're probably not going to be given very many impressions to do things like this, uh, which is a good thing because we usually ignore them if we're not praying and we're not loving the people around us. But if we are praying and we are loving the people around us, to be to take ourselves lightly. Chesterton says angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. Um, so a little levity doesn't hurt us. Okay. Um, do you want to go through those real quick? Yeah. So questions again, these might feel a little familiar. What is your mission field? How much choice do you have in your mission field? What has to change in your life to fulfill your mission? And how do you define success in your mission? Um, so do we want to keep rolling? We probably should keep rolling. We're yeah. way late. Okay. So those are questions for you to ponder. Hopefully the questions, if you notice, they're the same questions as we asked about the aviator. So hopefully that conversation, when it was not about you, will help make it a little bit easier now when you're looking in the mirror. So in terms of incarnational evangelization, another thing to take a reflection on 
When I walk into a room, am I walking in as if I have good news to share? Bum, bum, bum. Okay. Our friend, the Asbat, uh, manageable list of people God is calling us to evangelize. Uh, keep adding to the list as you think of people because if God has put them in your heart, he's put them there for a reason. Incarnational evangelization that in everything that we do and say, we're trying to convey to other people that they are loved by God in a way that can tra- transform them if only they want it, if only they choose it. Um, and that we don't want to ever be the obstacle that keeps them from that relationship with our Lord. Uh, so everything that we do is there to convey that message. Um, so we're going to do this last bit pretty quick. Um, so the beginning of chapter 10 of Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus sends out the 72, and he does it what way? Uh, two by two, right? He sends them in pairs. If you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed with this evangelization business and reaching the people in your life business and meeting new people business, it might be because you're thinking, well, me by myself doing all this, that sounds lonely and hard. Which it would be both of those things if you were trying to do it by yourself. But um, something that we should be confident in, that if God is calling us to mission, he's calling us to have co-laborers, people who will collaborate with us, people who will walk beside us and accompany us. And the plural was intentional. So there are some things that we are co-laborers, most especially and obviously our children. But there are other... Me and my wife. Yes, But there are other groups of people that I would like to find other kinds of co-laborers with. Joseph doesn't really like having playdates with other moms with like 10 million little kids. I find it distinctly uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think it's great. So different co-laborers for different vineyards. Um, And to note, sharing one's mission field is one of the most intimate things that you can do with someone. Because you're saying, hey, will you support me and encourage me? Can I talk through with and can I pray through with these people in my life? These people who are closest to me. Can you speak into my life how I might love them better? Uh, I realized when I took my not then wife, my girlfriend, uh, and when she took me to meet our respective families, we had this sudden light bulb moment that we were introducing each other to our permanent mission field that I was letting her in on the relationships that were closest to my heart. And she was letting me into the relationships closest to her heart. And that everything basically hinged on whether or not I could encourage her and love her in how she was loving her family. And if she could do the same with me, right? Turns out we could do that reasonably well. Um, Some days. (laughs) Some days. Um, but, But that's really what we're called to do for our fellow Christian brother and sister right? To, to, be, to be vulnerable with them and to be gentle with them. Um, and so we can ask the question, who has God put in my life to work alongside me? And have I asked God for such a co-worker? Have I asked him to have a friend or friends where I can share this? Um, I, I forget to ask God this sometimes. And I, I oftentimes I take for granted the fact that he gave me a wife. Um, but I'm asking us all to not take those things for granted and to not go through the rest of our life assuming that um, that we are to be alone in our mission. Um, if you don't know somebody else who wants to win other souls for Christ, please uh, take a look around you. There might be a room of people who showed up on a Friday night to learn how to win souls for Christ. There might be someone in this room, if you're feeling lonely, who would love to talk with you and to hear you and for 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 you to hear them. And if you hear a little voice saying that's not true, say, get behind me, Satan, to that little voice. Um, Jesus does not intend mission to be done solo. Uh, I know everybody loves the Lone Ranger, or at least they did like 60 years ago. Um, But even the Lone Ranger had a sidekick, right? Tonto, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all know this. Um, Okay, so... Asbat, all students should be able to create this list, explain the meaning of incarnational evangelization, and identify another Catholic. If you haven't identified another Catholic, please, after we finish, um, ask someone uh, if they'd be willing to meet over coffee sometime this week to talk about the people on your heart and for you to talk to them about the people on their heart. Let it be reciprocal and let it be encouraging. Um, 
because that's oh it is such a sweet thing to be able to share one's mission field with someone else who cares it is such a wonderful thing um and it's such a lonely thing when we go without that um again the definition of win to build authentic friendships we're not here to manipulate anyone we're here to love people that foster an encounter with jesus christ we don't want to be closed off to the working of the holy spirit we don't want people to know what they are missing out on did i say that right we don't want we do want people to know we do want people to know what they're missing out on we don't want them to miss it we want to draw people into a covenantal relationship with god we want them to be fully united to our lord in a lifelong life-giving fruitful um lasting covenant relationship um so we are going to break for adoration. For adoration, we're going to have a reading from a gospel. You might say, Joseph, you didn't talk about old relationships. You're right. Uh, let's talk about that real quick in light of this upcoming Sunday's gospel. Um, something to note, right? The, the people who sold animals inside the temple and the people who changed money inside the temple were doing a service to the people, right? People coming from far distances didn't have money that could be taken into the temple because it was pagan money. And they didn't want to bring animals far distances because they were supposed to bring unblemished animals. And animals had a tendency to become blemished in traveling. So it was actually a great service to be able to go to Jerusalem and to be able to pick up an animal for sacrifice that was worthy of sacrifice. And it was a great service to be able to go into uh, Jerusalem and to change one's money so it could be offered up for the temple. Um, so th they were doing something good. They were serving... Uh, the people of God, uh, something to keep in mind, they, they, they were doing it by sitting in the temple and waiting. And what they did was they started to turn inward and they started saying, well, how can this benefit me? How can I just wait here instead of going out there and finding the pilgrims, finding the people and saying, I'm coming to you with this, right? They, they sat there in the temple waiting and they became less and less like men of service and they became more and more of self-serving men and what turned out what started as a good ended up as a bad um, and if we're saying i don't know how to love the people in my life i don't know how to welcome them more deeply into a covenant relationship with god the father um, we we need to turn to our lord and say lord thy will be done lord act in my heart however you need to um, if i am doing anything wrong if I am doing anything wrong in ushering people into uh, the place of communion with you and with the Father, I want you to change me. I want, you to, I want you to flip my table. I want you to rebuke me. I want you to change my life, change my heart, because I don't want to be an obstacle anymore. I don't want to serve myself at the expense of others. I want to be able to go out and leave so I can bring others better able, better prepared, for a covenant relationship with you. You can also ask him to first prepare your heart to receive that. <laughs> Makes it a little easier. Because <laughs> um, sometimes it's uncomfortable when you get told what you're not good at. If you think, oh, the other thing to do, uh, this is a long gospel, and if you think, well, I've been doing good things this whole time, my whole life. I've been building up these relationships, um, and I don't know what to do with them. You know, I've been working at them for decades, and I'm just not sure what to do with them. Uh, to go to the the second part of the gospel um, and say the same thing that the Jews said to Jesus. Uh, My relationships have been under construction for 46 years. Y you would destroy them and raise them up? Because this is actually what he's offering. He's offering to take all of your relationships. And if you hand them over to him and entrust them to him and be detached enough from them, and attached enough to him that you'd be okay with him even destroying the relationships that you have right now so that he can rebuild them the way they ought to be. The temple was never meant to last forever as a building. It was meant to be a sign of the thing to come. Um, and everything that we build here is not meant to last forever. It's supposed to be a sign of what Christ desires to actually build in our lives. Um, so we're going to take time to go to adoration it will last however long Father Brian or Egan, Dave, or whoever is setting out Jesus. Father Brian. Perfect. He's doing it. Um, and you don't have to come. We have already went way over time. Um, sorry about that. We 
we'll have do a better ten, next time. We'll do better. We'll do so much better next time. It's not even, it's not even funny. Um, but uh, you, you've all been given a copy of the gospel, um, and to, and if you think that's really harsh, Joseph, that's really a downer. Uh, we'll, we'll end with this then. You guys are all temples of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple that Jesus wants to cleanse so that he can be perfectly united to you. He wants to drive out everything that is unworthy of him so that you are all worthy of him. Um, so if you don't want to think about, oh gosh, Jesus wants to rebuke me, think that Jesus wants to cleanse you. Jesus wants to, to undo the things that are not well done in you so they can be renewed in you. Um, Take this gospel and run with it. Uh, this is a really powerful gospel um, on a lot of different levels. Obviously, we're just scratching the surface. Um, and hopefully, it's helpful in understanding the fact that we are all called to win people for Christ um, and that Jesus is actually the prime mover, the principal agent of evangelization, is the Holy Spirit, as it says in, shoot, Pope, Pius, Pope Paul VI, Anyway, we'll close in prayer. Um, the principal agent of evangelization is the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to worry. We're not the main actor in this. He's doing all the heavy lifting. So let's end in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. From our outpost to yours, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to John Mark Scope. That's S-K-O-C-H. For the music. Check him out on Spotify.